Welcome to the middle-aged edition of the Driving You Crazy podcast. We're now 40, Joseph. 40. It's a pretty big birthday right here. And since this is a podcast where we measure age a bit differently, this is not like the halfway point of our life or anything where the rest of our days are going to be all downhill like it is basically for me. Um, uh, <laughs> I'm your over 40-year-old host, Denver 7 traffic anchor, Jason Luber. I'm under 40 pedestrian and heated windshield advocate, Joseph Peters. <laughs> I think this podcast is going to be more like Noah living to like 700 or something like that. Well, it could be. Let's let's hope it goes that far. We survived the great eclipse of 2017, that's for sure. And now we're counting down until the next great full eclipse in 2024 that's going to go through Texas and up through the heartland and up to the eastern U.S. and into Canada. And the next west to east one is going to go right through Colorado in 2045. Can't wait. Oh, there are some very excited people. I... I'm going to be like 76 years old or so, something like that, so there's a chance I'll still be upright at that point. Uh, I Maybe not taking a dirt nap yet, uh, but, you know, you never know. <laughs> Medicine's getting better, man. I oh, that's good. Are pretty good. Presumably, I won't be working anymore, and I'm going to have the whole day to enjoy the last eclipse of my life. That will be definitely for sure. Uh, I, I was surprised, though, how much traffic there was on that day. Uh, I started to see a dramatic increase, which I was really surprised about at 3 a.m., and it was super slow all the way until after 9 for people heading up into Wyoming on I-25, and the afternoon traffic wasn't much fun either for those drivers. One of the people who suffered through a few extra hours on the road trying to get back home from after her eclipse viewing was our very own Nicole Brady. Nicole, welcome to the Driving You Crazy podcast. A few extra hours? Yeah, a few. It was let's, four well, times as long of a trip <laughs> as it should have taken normally. Well, let's start. Let's just start with the actual event. How was the eclipse? The eclipse was awesome. We were in Glendo, Wyoming, on the exact little middle line that comes down that zone of totality. So we got the longest that you could see the eclipse, a whole two and a half minutes uh, so that two and a half minutes was amazing. I honestly am so glad I saw it. I I will eventually get over the fact that it took us as long as it did to get home. But uh, the eclipse itself was beautiful. It's amazing that moment, right, as you see that little sliver disappear and can take the glasses off and just stare up and see that perfect shadow with some kind of flares coming out of it. Just amazing. I, you know, if you if you don't see it in person, you only see it in pictures, and the pictures would never do it justice. Yeah, and that's what I've heard that people say: watching an eclipse from under totality and watching it under partial eclipse is completely different. It's like it's like hearing a phone call of the Beatles or going to their recording studio. It's it's <laughs> like that much of a difference. Yeah, I, that's probably a good way to describe it. I'm sure you could think of a lot of analogies like that. The, uh, the the difference is is shocking because so much light still comes out of even a an eclipsed or partially eclipsed sun, even toward those final few minutes. Uh, it's still pretty light. It got dimmer. It got a little cooler. I heard that it got even cooler here in Denver a yep, little. It and, did. It yeah, did. and 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 it was still a little darker, but complete darkness, like it's nighttime. It was amazing. Now you could see stars. It was cool. Much like Nicole's eclipse experience, I want to spend very little time talking about the eclipse <laughs> and a significant amount of time talking about <laughs> how long it took you to get back. So I just did the math, and it took. If it normally takes three hours to get home from Glendo, it sounds like it took you twelve hours. Yeah, because we left right after it ended. Like the second totality was over, we're p- jumping back in the car, and 
that is what I think a hundred thousand people right there with us <laughs> decided to do at that moment, and we all got stuck with each other, and uh, plus the people coming down from Casper. Uh, anywhere along that area, you know, and I haven't heard the numbers yet for just those couple of towns, but Wyoming thinks that they might have had a million people come to the state. And there's only uh, a half a million people the that live there full time. Yeah, so that would have that would be triple the number of people there usually if that's true. And we'll get the final numbers eventually, I'm sure. But um, but yeah, it was it was crazy. We spent an hour just trying to get out of the little field that we had camped in the night before, and then we made one turn that I regret so much. One turn, I think, probably added three hours to our trip because we had to go, we started going north. A lot of people were doing that. And we thought, well, maybe there's a way that you can get connect back on I-25 if we go north on this little road for a little while. But we got caught up in that and we were probably in that for about two more hours. Finally, we get to the road where we can go either west to get back on I-25 or east. And we decide to go east, thinking maybe some people... It didn't look like people were going that way, but they were. Oh, they were there. They uh, and and then it was just still very slow traffic almost the whole way home from there. So we had dinner in a little town called Lusk, Wyoming, right about five o'clock, and then I didn't get home till twelve thirty in the morning. So seven and a half hours longer. And and the eclipse was eleven forty-five ish, right? So. So yeah, we left at noon and got home after twelve. It was a longer Did than twelve-hour drive. Did you not have like a, a, your phone working, your GPS, or anything like that to go yes. help you find some of the other smaller no, little roads? That's exactly what happened. The cell phone towers were overloaded. N- n- there was almost no data. I got one tweet out the entire morning of the eclipse. There, nothing was working that morning. Somewhere along that road, something opened up. I got a little tweet out. I got a couple posts in, and then no traffic data. So we think our ways wasn't updating our. Google Maps, regular map on the iPhone, none of that was working and giving us valuable traffic data uh, d- that could have helped us avoid some of that. So I did the ma- I used my Google Maps to determine how long it would take a pedestrian walking uh-huh. to get from Glendo to Denver in our workplace. And it would take about three days. So okay. you did Better make the right that. decision by but driving. But what about biking? Uh, biking, probably a little bit shorter of a distance. I think biking is about four times as long as your average walks are probably about the same amount of time. But what I want you to describe for me is the breakdown, because I'm certain that there was some sort of psychological breakdown, either (laughs) you or your kids or your husband in that car stuck in traffic for 12 hours. I think being stuck in traffic, everyone knows that what that's like in your head. And, and, and you can really, you can all relate, I think to that moment when you feel like you'd, you'd rather just go, even if you're not going in the right direction. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you're right. a real thing. You, you just want to move after sitting in traffic so long. I mean, I, I jumped out like four times to use the bathroom or to take one of the kids to the bathroom off uh, in a porta potty or behind a tree before we had even like moved barely any distance. So it was, I, we were just at a standstill. So it, it was, it was crazy. I mean, I, I saw a guy running alongside the road, like a, a, had taken his shirt off, was doing a little jog. I thought, is he just some guy who decided to get his run in here while he's waiting for the traffic <laughs> Gotta to clear? Got to get those miles, right? Yeah. And, and so I think everyone just wants to go somewhere at that point. And that's one of the reasons we decided to go east was just we'd rather go and get to a place where we could get some food rather than being in slow traffic again for another four 
hours maybe before we got to Cheyenne. Did you think about staying in Lusk or staying? Because that's that. Lusk is not a big town. I've been through there mm-hmm. on my way to South Dakota, and it is it, it's small and there's not much going on there. And that is what wound up happening for our colleague Connor Wiss, yeah. who had to cut it short and stay in a hotel and then make the rest of the drive the following day. Well, Connor apparently had to cut a story for the evening newscasts. So she had to get somewhere where she could get internet and all that. She, right? she wasn't able to cut the story. We oh, actually no. got her on the phone to talk about her disgusting traffic jam. Uh, okay, so that was <laughs> right. That was the story, I guess, huh, at that point. But um, no, I heard about her experience. We, I had to get back to work by... 3 a.m., right, yeah. on our schedule. Yep. So I had to get home at some point, and getting home at 12.30 allowed me to sleep about two hours and then come in. So the the, the, the breakdown, at some point, it was – it's those also those incremental, like the map kind of is telling you it's you're going to get there at 9 now. Okay, now it's going to be 9.30, 10, 11. You know, you're realizing, oh, my God. I, I thought worst-case scenario was going to be I just get home by 8 or 9 and go to bed, go right to bed. Yeah. I had no thought that it would take till 12.30. And that, I mean, I might have actually had to come just straight to work from the, <laughs> the, the drive home. Uh, and, and at that point, it really became that ridiculous. It was... So did you work your way then back towards I-25 or did you yes. stay east? Eventually, we went east and then they we got back on I-80 origin- eventually and went oh, okay. west to I-25. And I think there's maybe a little... Why didn't you think about going from there, either continuing south or to Highway 85 or some of the other county roads, and then avoiding I-25 altogether? Because at that point, you probably knew that I-25 was a mess. Yeah, uh, but it wasn't... I mean, A, the, the traffic software maps, the, the, those things were still not working. And B, I think at that point we thought, well, that traffic... Is I mean, it's going to take longer. There's more miles to cover going the eastern route. So by the time we, we weighed that, it seemed like it would take as long to go that way, even if it was moving, and even if there was no traffic, then it, then, and, and the same if, to go all the way to I-25 and just drive on from there. So we just did that. And really, I-25 wasn't the worst of it. Once we finally got back to Colorado, that was, it was busy still. For a for a ten o'clock on a Monday night, but it wasn't nearly as bad as the whole rest of the day had been. It was moving, so that probably was an extra thirty minutes at that point, as opposed to most of our our tra- time was spent in Wyoming most of the day. Now you mentioned that you weren't able to send out tweets or check maps or anything like that. So I assume you weren't able to get on Facebook or any of the social media websites either. Right, and share that information. Or yeah, or, or to read the information. Or read that, it. That was going to be my question. Yeah. How did you entertain yourself and the kiddos for oh, 12 yeah. hours with just a car radio? Well, thank God we have uh, tablets for the kids that have lots of games on them. Okay. And they were really good. I think it was the best day of their lives. We never let them spend that much time on the tablet. <laughs> <laughs> they got to just sit there on their little tablets all day long uh, until they fell asleep finally. Uh, so they were fine. Uh, my husband was fine. We played some music. Uh, but yeah, we usually listen to Spotify. That doesn't work. So we had to go with whatever he already had downloaded. I had uh, some games on my phone I played. What else did I do? Mostly I just kept checking ran, yeah. you know, frantically all day long to see, do I have a bar now? Do I have any, any internet or data or anything now? So that was probably not good for, for my health. Um, this but... all, your exact story really validates my a- advice when I was doing it before the eclipse to, to go I-76 in Nebraska, 
and then also take some printed maps. Because both of those really helped out some folks. One of my neighbors followed my exact advice, did that, went up to this little town called Arthur, right next to Lake McConaughey. Saw it perfectly, got in and out, no problem, no delay. I wish we had done that now. And I heard that Scotts Bluff, Nebraska, and some of those places had great weather for it still. Uh, So we we now kind of wish we had gone that route. Um, And taking the printed maps, I brought that up at one point. I said, this... You know, our phones are screwing us over right now because we don't know where anywhere else to go is except the couple little lines you can see, sort of. So, yes, a printed map. I mean, this was definitely a day to go old school. I should have had a book in the car with me. That would have helped pass the time. Yeah. Um, Now, you mentioned the burger place and you mentioned the guy who was shirtless running on the side of the road. I'm curious, were there any entrepreneurs selling water, selling freeze pops, selling stuff like that on the side of the road? Or what was the most interesting thing you saw on the side of the road? Not, you know, you'd think more people would have been opportunistic about it because I I was thinking, God, they're making so much money in these little towns. And this is the only time ever that they'll get that many tourists to Glendo, Wyoming. Mm -hmm. Um, But no, right after it was over, there were a few vendors out there that were still trying to sell off the last of their T-shirts or waters, chips, Food, etc. And there were probably people who stayed around for a little bit longer. But no, there really weren't that many people trying to sell us water or burgers or tacos or anything. I would have taken anything at some point. We probably would have paid a premium for it. And we had water. We brought a lot of water. So that was good. Uh, but... But no, I, I didn't see anyone trying to take advantage of the traffic, which I guess means that uh, that's a good thing, I guess, that people weren't trying to capitalize off our misery. Well, it's a bad thing for me because I wish I had done it now. I know. <laughs> I, it it would have been really smart. Um, but no, I mean, I saw the runner. What else did we see? I mean, we saw, uh, you know, little things. I, I'm sure most people don't spend much time there. We saw a sign on the side of the road that one one town in Wyoming, Lost Springs, I think it was. Uh, it has a population of four. Yeah, that they have is, a sign. Right. They have a sign that says population I've done a story four. On that okay, town, yeah. yeah. Oh, fun. Yeah. So we saw some people taking pictures of that, and obviously people just kind of trying to have some fun with the middle, being in the middle of nowhere and in that traffic, and and having some fun with that. Um, and I did find I, I mentioned it on Twitter that burger place that we found in Lusk, little stand, no line. Everyone was going to Subway. In this town, and we went to this burger place, and it was amazing. And yeah, I would I would go back through there and stop at that place again if I ever have to go that way for to go to South Dakota or something like that in the future. Go to this, and and I don't even know the name because it's just a burger stand. The last question for me, Nicole, uh, after your adventure up, your horrible adventure coming back, uh, seeing what you saw, was it worth it? Uh, it's such a hard question to answer because, yeah, I, I'm glad I saw it. I would have never gone had someone told me it will take you 12 hours to get home. I would have just waited for another one sometime, which we have in seven years, as you said. I could go to Texas maybe and plan ahead a little bit better and not have to work the next day. Um, but no, I mean, the traffic pain is wearing off now, and I'm glad I can say I saw it. And someday I'll, I'll say I saw that eclipse, and I won't necessarily talk about the 12-hour trip home. So, yeah, it was worth it. All right. There you have it. Your <laughs> eclipse traffic update. The Driven You Crazy podcast. Yes, exactly. Yeah, right. you guys called it well. I listened to your podcast last week. 
and uh, you predicted the the traffic. Uh, the worst didn't happen. There were no gas shortages or food shortages in these towns that I heard of. I heard they all had extra gas to trucks coming right. in and all that. But but yeah, you guys called it. It was it was. Definitely traffic to eclipse all other types <laughs> traffic of traffic to incidents eclipse ever. All other. Yes. But what you're really saying is Jason told you so. I, yeah, yeah, he did. Yes, what you can't see is my arms up in the air in the cheering mode. Yes, thank you very much. <laughs> you know, what, can I just say also, what, ne- what never occurred to me, yeah. I probably could have just called you on I know, the I was phone. wondering, why didn't you? You should have because... You know, I, I could have helped you out tremendously. I'd, I've had friends do that from all around the country. They'll call me and they'll say, how do I get to this place or that place or whatever? And, and it, bing, bang, pow, I'll get them there. I, I, it, we're, our, my phone has made me stupider, right? I mean, I don't, bring, <laughs> I don't bring books to read anymore. I don't bring maps. I don't use the phone as a calling device yes. anymore. Uh, to call someone for help or information. Next so, time, there you go. During the next eclipse, Nicole, call me. Yes. All right. I'll you see go. you when you're 73. All right. <laughs> Thank you very much. Nicole Brady, everybody. There she goes. All right. So now that Nicole's out of here, Jason, yeah, finally. you got into a little bit of a uh, kerfuffle, let's call it, on the old social media this week. Yes, a kerfuffle, if you will. Um, yeah, this guy. So I, I've had this longstanding issue with the way some emergency responders, especially the fire tr- uh, truck drivers, come up to an accident, crash scene, whatever, and the way they block the highway. This has been a big issue of mine for a long time. So I saw yesterday, what happened was, there was this big crash out to the west side of town. It was on westbound 6th Avenue, right after Kipling, and there was a crash in the left lane. And so the, and so the, there was already a police car there, and traffic was getting around it by going to the right. Well, here comes the fire trucks, and there were three of them. And one blocks the right side. Another one pulls across basically the entire highway and blocks all traffic. And another one blocked more of the highway. So nobody could go anywhere. I mean, it was completely stopped as they were just blocking the entire roadway when, in my opinion... They didn't need to because of the information I was I had. I was watching what was going on. It looked like they could have pulled to the left lane, maybe even just the left and center lane, and allowed the right lane to, to stay open. Right. So I sent out a tweet, and I said, and I started with saying total disregard. And it was basically talking about total disregard of the traffic uh, for the folks that were on the westbound 6th Avenue trying to get past, past this crash, couldn't the... Emergency responders have pulled over a little bit and allowed for use of the highway for even onto the right shoulder, way away from where they were, uh, so they could you know get the traffic moving and also be safe at the same time. Correct. Because I think in a situation like that, and this is something that you brought up in your response to this guy on Twitter, which is basically you can strike a balance there. Like we obviously like we care a lot about the safety of first responders. We don't want to see any of these sort of move over accidents that could have been avoided in the past. But at the same time, it's seven o'clock in the morning, six o'clock in the morning. Like you have tens of thousands of cars on our highways and they need to get where they're going. So uh, th- this is basically the third rail of traffic reporting. And that's the best way I can describe this because it's like any politician trying to talk about Social Security. You talk about first responders and you talk about anything that they do w- except glowing praise, then you're going to get blasted for it by somebody out there. Um, my point is a balance. There has to be a balance. 
There has to be a balance between what they're doing and being safe, and I don't want any of those people to get run over. I don't want them to get hit. I know the the tragedies that have happened, but there has also got to be a balance between moving some traffic and also keeping these people safe. Like, let's say the trooper that was hit down in Castle Rock. He... They could have closed that right lane and allowed the left lane to keep moving. In this instance, they could have closed down the left and center lanes and still had plenty of room for the first responders to navigate around this crash and allowed traffic to go around it. They can push traffic away from it and still allow it to move. But so I said that, and then this guy, I'm sure, do you have the tweet there or his response there? Uh, Let me pull up his original tweet. Uh, he said, you're a real four-letter word, sit behind a desk and analyze traffic for a living with no respect for the lives of first responders. Didn't address the situation whatsoever, just no. resorted straight to name-calling. Exactly. And that's, and that's what usually happens. And then here's the thing. So I tried to defend myself as best I could, saying there's got to be a balance between their protection and safety and doing what they need to do and also allowing the traffic to get through there. Look, I, I've talked to firefighters about this. I've talked to, to police about this. I've talked to all the responders, tow truck drivers, about these issues. I've talked to them. I've even talked to CDOT, and CDOT tried to get a campaign going before we had some of these trooper deaths to get crashes cleared from lanes of traffic as quickly as possible. They actually advocated to the first responders to move it because then they are safer, and then the public is also safer. So... My point was, are these guys just above reproach? Can you not actually criticize or make commentary that, you know what, that guy who was driving that truck could have pulled over over here. He could have done it this way. Is that not allowed? And and when I, when I say something like that, then this guy then makes a comment to me, calling me names and, and not defending anything else. And then all he does is then throw out, after I said uh, my piece, he says, well, uh, you know, these are the statistics and how many people have been killed in, in uh, these kind of crashes. And, and so, you know, you're, and you're a bad person. Right. Right. But and the worst of it is this. So then, so he, he, he just can't let it go. So he sends, to, sends me stuff on, on Twitter, okay? Then he sends, we have ways to comment to the newsroom. So he sends an email to the newsroom. And it's basically to the comment section saying, your traffic guy, I can't believe your traffic guy is allowed to say these things and is basically advocating for me to get fired. He did the same thing when he tweeted to our main Denver channel uh, Twitter page. Same thing. I can't believe you're letting your traffic guy do this sort of thing and say these things. And then, apparently, what, he did did on Facebook, too? The, basically, word for word, the same email that he sent out was also posted to our Facebook page. And, I mean, you know, you're in a situation where you're, for lack of a better term, damned if you do, damned if you don't. Like, you, you're, we're encouraged to have an opinion. We're encouraged to speak our minds about certain things. This is an issue that you have an opinion on that makes sense. Right? Like, it's a formed opinion that you can back up with facts, even if not everybody agrees with it. So you are going to have some collateral damage of making people angry. But I think from where you're sitting, that's a much better position to be in than just being as vanilla as possible and not being willing to speak out when something like this really grinds your gears. Because I can say, just from what I've seen in sitting in traffic in situations like that, yes, we have respect for first responders, but somebody also needs to give voice to the people who wind up sitting in traffic wondering why we shut down four lanes of a highway for an accident involving one vehicle that's pushed off to the left side. And how do I know that there wasn't a pregnant woman in there with her with her husband trying to race over to the hospital because they were in labor? How do I know that? This guy's point was, 
All these people are just driving to work or driving to the grocery store, and boy, they're inconvenienced for 15 minutes. But then you could save a life if you ha- shut down the highway. Well, look, it's not that black and white. No. It's just not. Mm. There has to be a balance between the two. And what really bugged me was that this guy was advocating for me to lose my job over a formed opinion that I've had for years and years, and, and I would like to see what he does and then make it a, a formed opinion about his job performance and what he says at work. Well, uh, he's been blocked by Gordon Ramsay on Twitter, so there you obviously go. not that bright. It's, did you did you see any of the comments on the Facebook page? Were there com- or did he just po- post it as a? It was a visitor post, so there were no comments beyond that. I mean, I, you get your token like or two from people who you're friends with that think that you have the greatest opinion in the world. But I could post anything I wanted. I could post literally anything, and there are two or three people who would like. And that's it. exactly what he did on the Twitter feed, I think, because he had a couple of friends just like his posts. Um, I didn't even tell my wife because I know she doesn't like any. Uh, controversy stuff, so I, it wasn't even worth me t- telling right. her. Um, is it something that I regret? No. no. It's because I still believe in that same premise. I still believe there can be a balance between first responders responding to a scene and, and protecting that scene and also allowing for traffic to get through. And most of the time, that happens. This time, it did not. And so then he also sent out a tweet to Denver Police, Denver Fire, uh, with my original tweet attached to it and say, what do you guys think about this, you know, this uh, traffic guy saying, go ahead and run me over? Basically, that's what he was saying. Um, And so I, I, I just don't appreciate his ranting and his exuberance for trying to get me, quote unquote, in trouble or fired from my job because he didn't like what I said. Just he didn't. He's the one who didn't like it. He didn't like it. Okay, so he doesn't like it. Yeah. Then he can respond to me and then move on about your day. But he didn't. He kept on and kept on and kept on. And so I decided just to let it go after that and just not not worry about it, not respond anymore because it wasn't worth it. It wasn't going to go anywhere. But that's that's sometimes the mentality of some people. If you don't agree with them and you don't agree with the quote unquote company line or the or, or the uh, populist line, then be damned and. And you, you need to be fired. Absolutely. You know, and it's a distortion of the facts, and it's a willful distortion of the facts. And again, going back to my original point, if you're not making people mad like this, you're probably not doing a very good job. Yeah. And yeah. it's, you know, so it's that that part was frustrating. I don't like to make people upset, and I like to have people enjoy what I do for a living and, and use the information and uh, and like me as a person. And But you know what? There's people that I watch on television, and for some reason I just don't. I don't like them for whatever reason. I mean, everybody does that. And I'm sure that's the same way with me. But I'm a big boy. I've been doing this job, the TV job, for 11 years. I've been doing media jobs for 25 years. So uh, I, I get it. I understand that there's going to be people that, aren't, that don't like me, and there's some people that, that they're going to like me. So I don't know. I'll, I'll, I'll move on about my day, and I still have that same opinion. You know, um, one of our reporters asked me about this exact issue, oh, about a month ago. And I was telling that person that this is a very delicate subject and if they wanted to pursue it they have to be prepared for the backlash that's going to happen because there will be some that will agree but there will be many that won't and those people that won't they will be vocal just like this guy was and they will be determined to ruin you and i said you you have to take that and i this is a young reporter and I didn't want to see 
this kind of behavior thrown at this person because I, I don't think they deserve it. Um, and so, I, but that was my, my feeling on that. I, I, well, I want somebody to do the story, but it has to be somebody that is willing to take the heat. Yes. And we might have to cut this. The person who criticized you works at Wells Fargo, and he tells you you should be ashamed of yourself, but he works for a company that knowingly defrauded tens of thousands of Americans for money and likely played some sort of role in that. So who is he to be on the moral high ground throwing stones when he works for a company that has, I mean, shamefully, in one of the most disgusting ways in American history, stolen money from some of the most vulnerable people? Yeah. No moral high ground whatsoever. And he continues to cash a check from that company. Yeah, well, uh, it's just, you know, it, this this job has some frustrating aspects to it. Now, it, it's, it's what I signed up for. It's an on-air job. It's in the public. There's good and bad with it. People looking at my shopping cart, they're not looking at your shopping cart, Joseph. It's true. Um, you know, there, there are some minor benefits. There's a lot of negatives to it as well. Um, but on balance, I, I love what I do, and I'll, uh, I would say it again. It's just frustrating that I can't say it more often or or say some of my views more often when it's in that setting because I know I'm going to get blasted for it. And I'm glad I didn't hear. I got no response from our management. I don't know if the management was aware of what was happening. I know it came to the news desk because somebody from the news desk sent me the message that came into the general comment section. Right. And she said, attached to it, said, I don't think this guy understood the meaning of your tweet i know he he knew he knew what i meant oh yeah and our newsroom is too busy wrangling all the dirty liberals who are out there pushing lies to really come down on you for this stuff (laughs) well so and with that (laughs) and there you have it all right so it's time for a break coming up road trips are fun but there's got to be an aspect of a road trip that can be quite annoying well we'll have that and much much more as the driving you crazy podcast continues I'm Jason Grenauer, and you're listening to the Driving You Crazy podcast with Jason Luber. People need to tune into Denver 7 because we are a little interesting, a group of people. We're kind of like brothers and sisters on the newscast, which means we like to joke around with each other. We have a lot of fun. We keep things light. You will always find us laughing. And we also just give you everything you need to know. Dale Cedars, only on Denver 7. Why should you watch Denver 7? Simple. Best team in town. Jason Luber knows traffic better than anyone. I'm just a cool reporter. Lisa, she knows what's up. Mitch, I call him Superman. Dale, gorgeous, awesome. I'm a cool reporter. Jason Granauer knows what's up. Uh, Amanda Del Castillo. I mean, we're just a great team, and we're like family. And that I think that helps with the dynamics. So uh, you got to watch us every day. That's a good one. Good. Good. Sweet. You got another one you want to uh, drop now? Yeah, maybe I'll just, yeah, I'll, okay. okay. Three, two, and one. Now, if I wasn't on the team, I would watch Denver 7 for the Jason-Lisa bickering that they do every every morning. They're like brother-sister. I love it. It adds to the dynamic. We're just a great team, and it's people need to watch. Eric Luford. 
only on Denver 7. to the 40th episode of the Driving You Crazy podcast, where we strive to do things that others don't do, like talk traffic and stuff. And we're doing a hell of a job so far. We are. I have to start out with some listener feedback, though, here, Joseph. This is from our 10, uh, 10 p.m. producer, Kirsten Boyd. She used to be uh, one of the producers on the morning show. You know her well. She writes, So, I gave in this weekend and listened to the Driving You Crazy podcast for the first time. It was fantastic! Exclamation point. You guys had great topics and great convos. I, I think that's the hip way to say conversation. It is. Just thought you should know, exclamation point times three. You've got another regular user. Wasn't that nice from Kirsten? Very nice. Now, if we can just get some of that kind of feedback to be put in print on iTunes, we'd be in business, baby. Don't forget to rate us on iTunes or yes. whatever your podcast app of choice is. We're also on Stitcher, uh, SoundCloud, several others. Podbean. Podbean, apparently. Um, a lot Google of you, Play. I know a lot of you are listening to us on SoundCloud. Stop that. Go download us on iTunes. Give us a review. <laughs> and then come back to SoundCloud. Yes. Because you know, I think most people do listen on SoundCloud, but there are other ways to listen to it as well. And we're an equal opportunity podcast. But really, iTunes. Okay. There may be many things that we use every day that was once something else. I'm talking basically about recycling one thing and turning it into something else. The Dutch have figured out a way to build bike lanes from something that was also used once before that I never thought could or, more importantly, should be used again. Joseph, I'm talking about toilet paper. Oh, those Dutch. Yeah, bike lanes from used toilet paper. Not rolls of unused, not like the, the center rolls or anything like that. Used toilet paper. Stuff that's already gone down the tube. So here's how the two-year pilot project works. A Dutch wastewater treatment plant uses an industrial sieve to sift through the sewage and collect soiled toilet paper, extracting nearly 900 pounds of cellulose from the TP each day. Look, there's a, uh, there's a lot of jobs in the world that I will that I will do to earn an income, but let me tell you here and now, that is one job I will not do. I will never use a sieve to sift through law, raw sewage to collect soiled toilet paper. I'll find work elsewhere. Well, that's because you get paid well now. That job. Sifting, do you think that job? Well, that's that toilet pa- si- toilet paper sifter job. Might actually be a boost up the old pay scale for old Joseph, the traffic advocate here. Well, all right. So uh, I'll, I'll put a, a de- I'll put an asterisk on that one. They say that the used cellulose is then sterilized. I doubt it's sterilized to my comfort level, and then turned into fluffy material or pellets, and then that is used to make insulation or bottles, and then that is used to make the bike lanes. So in the past, the wastewater treatment plant incinerated this dirty toilet paper, which still sounds like a good idea to me. They say because the Dutch enjoy using only the finest bath tissue. That meant high-quality fibers went into the waste, and that's, well, a little bit too much information for me. Nice to know that they like the finest of the bathroom tissues. Now, the toilet paper scheme isn't the only way the Netherlands is using sewage for good. One company, Aqua Minerals, turns wastewater into calcite pellets, which are great for water softening and producing paints and ceramics. So the next time you flush the toilet, just consider the possibilities. Yeah, Joseph, 
the possibilities. That's what I think about every time I flush the toilet. Possibilities. I don't know what you think about, but I'm thinking about possibilities. I mean, that's my business, and that's all I'm going to say about that. Well, we're being bombarded with more and more advertisements on all our screens, right? The latest one is likely going to be on your self-driving car. There's a new report that suggests that autonomous vehicles will be the next new frontier aggressively used by companies to sell you stuff while you're trapped in your self-driving car. Except in your Wyoming and during the eclipse where you couldn't get cell coverage. Uh, Luxury brands like BMW, Mercedes, Audi, they're expected to focus less on traditional factors like their high-performance engines and their suspensions and that sort of thing. And then move to features like ultra-high-definition audio and video and other technological gadgets that are in your car to entertain and inform us while we're in the car. So there's a study by Forrester, this company Forrester, that suggests that autonomous cars are going to drive an advertising renaissance. And this is projected to lead to an opportunity for companies to advertise to trap customers, like us, in their cars. When self-driving cars materialize in the market, car companies will act as basically publishers, partnering with companies to sell ad space inside and maybe even outside your car. Forrester imagines the car windows will become screens, opaque from the outside, but acting as infotainment screens inside. For those excited about the idea of self-driving cars, it's going to be around the year maybe 2025 and beyond that the majority of new vehicles sold will be autonomous. According to that study, imagine driving in a car where all not just like you have a little screen right there in the middle that you can watch TV or, or something or on your phone, but the entire windshield. All the sides, so you almost have like 360 degree viewing, or you could have one channel, like you have four channels. One channel is on the front windshield, on the inside there, and then on the sides you have other channels, and in the back windshield you have another one. See, here's what I'm picturing, is that the car drives itself, and you get to where you're going, and the entire interior turns into one giant screen, and you just recline back like you do at the planetarium, Yeah, and you can just watch an entire giant movie going on in front, uh, over your head. Now, imagine on a Sunday, going on a long road trip, the Patriots are on, and you're just in your car, getting watching to where them you need lose. to go. Watching the Patriots Cheer- on their quest for 16 or no. <laughs> I'm all in, baby. Cheering every time that Tom Brady gets a sack. <laughs> so, look, here's my take. I, I, if I'm going to be advertised to, I expect to get a discount on the infotainment system or other perks that are there in the car for my time. My time is worth money. And if you want to use me as just a thing to market to and market your product, well, then you better pay me to do that. All right, so here's a story. A long time ago... I was looking for a job. I came across this company. They're called Quicksilver Delivery. They're still in town. Uh, so I went over there and I applied. I, plas- I, I passed with flying colors, including getting one of the highest scores on their map test out of any driver that they ever tested. But before I could start work there, they wanted me to have their logo. I did. I, 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 I Look, I love maps, and that's one of the things, problems. And I was working at Pizza Delivery before that, so I knew most of these areas. And they, they have a couple of trick questions on that test. And one of them was right down around Coors Field before they started building some stuff down there. And so, they- so to clarify for our listeners, this entire story is an excuse for you to tell us how good you are looking at maps. <laughs> no, p- partly. No, actually. But before I, c- I could start work there, they wanted me to have their logo put on the side of my pickup truck. So they, and, and they wanted me to put it there where it would stay there all the time. Not like a pizza delivery thing where you could put the, like a thing, a, a whatever, on your roof. And then you're just during your shift. And then you take it off when you're done working. They would be on there 24-7. So I said to them, if you're going to do that, if you want me to do that, 
then you're going to have to pay me an advertising fee for the time I'm driving but not working for you, and I'm, I'm off the clock. And I said, maybe 20 cents a mile, and, that, and then I could bill them, and they could include it on my weekly check. They said no. Um, and I, I kind of figured they would. And they said they actually suggested if I wanted to cover up the logo, I could get one of these large vinyl magnet things that would cover up their logo when I wasn't working. And I said, no thanks, I'm not going to do that either. So I didn't take the job. I think the same principle works here for this advertising stuff. If you're going to advertise to me, you should make it worth my while by either giving me uh, a discount on the car, on the infotainment system, on products or whatever. Well, here's the deal. So, like, for personal use, right? If it's just my self-driving car and I'm using it to get to and from work, and I bought the infotainment system, there's no excuse for them to slip in ads, right? Like, there's no reason for them to suddenly show me a Coca-Cola ad on my dashboard or but it might be part of your data service where in order for you to have this have this infotainment system delivered to your car you have to have those advertisements as a part of it but at that point i mean they're definitely going to have an offer an ad free option too i mean it's going to be like anything else like for example right now i use spotify and so if i'm listening to spotify over my infotainment system and i and i'm paying for it there's no ads there Right, But if I'm not paying for it, there are ads there. Where I could see this becoming really popular, and this is something that we didn't really touch on, but like, if I'm a Lyft driver, right, or, or I yeah. own an autonomous car and my autonomous car is taking people to and from where they need to go, why wouldn't I hook up with an advertising company and have their ads in the car while I'm taking rides from one place to another and double dipping on my income in that capacity? You already already see this in taxi cabs. I see it all exactly. the time in Las Vegas. Exactly. In or B, New York City. B, the corollary to that is how long is it going to take for Lyft or Uber to catch up and pay just like a couple cents extra to any drivers who are willing to put that technology in their car and then Lyft or Uber gets the majority of that profit? Yeah, I mean, there's already a couple of companies, advertising companies. Uh, Rideshare TV is one of them. Uh, Vugo is another one. Terrible name. Yeah, I know. Uh, I would rather just watch commercial-free movies or connect my DVR to the to the car because I have that Sling Player app where I have that Sling box. It's not the Sling TV thing. It's a Sling box that you buy and you hook it up at home where you have your, your satellite or cable or whatever go into it, and then it sends it on the Internet mm-hmm. and then to your phone. And then you have that you could, where you could um, you know, mirror screen from your phone or your tablet, whatever, to your car. And then you could watch your own stuff at your own time, your DVR, whatever. I, I, think, that would, I think that would be pretty good. Gotcha. I like it. Because uh, yeah, then you could watch your own recorded shows like I do when I'm walking on the treadmill. I've been watching this new one called uh, uh, Shit's Creek. Okay. Is that your treadmill show? That's one of my treadmill shows. It's pretty funny. It's um, Eugene Levy and his son oh, okay. is in it too. Um, and it, no, it's 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 a pretty funny show. My workout show is Entourage because it inspires me to be a better person, like the great Vinny Chase. Who? All my Entourage fans will get that reference. Vinny who? Vinny Chase. Okay. The International Brotherhood of Teamsters Union. They represent about one and a half million people. They're fighting tooth and nail against the legal implementation of autonomous trucks. Shocking. Shocking. That is the shocking news of the day. Truck drivers don't want autonomous trucks. Last week, get this, it successfully lobbied Congress to place a 10,000-pound weight limit on current driverless vehicles. 10,000 pounds over would be semi-trucks. Because the Teamsters are pulling out all the stops to protect its union members on the Teamsters website. You'll find links to studies stating most people are reluctant to embrace driverless cars. That's a contradiction to most people. Most people want to see these things. They like them. The Teamsters also speculate robots 
will cause hazardous waste problems if a human trucker is replaced. What, like robot poop? Do they, I mean, what kind of hazardous waste is coming out of a robot or from the truck that is just driving itself? Uh, the only hazardous waste I'm seeing here is studies commissioned by the Teamsters Union. Larry Willis, president of the AFL-CIO's Transportation Trades Division, a coalition of 32 unions, said Congress is progressing too quickly without understanding the full effects of autonomous vehicles, which are, quote, likely to cause massive job dislocation and impact worker safety, unquote. What he didn't say out loud, but under his breath was, and this will reduce the number of union paying jobs. So here's a legitimate question, though. I mean, couldn't they just negotiate to replace all these truck drivers with truck babysitters? I don't know what the exact term would be, but just somebody to sit in the cab of these driverless cars and to take the wheel if something goes wrong? Right now, there is a shortage of truck drivers, and what they believe is the truck drivers that they have now on the road are, especially the really experienced ones, would operate and oversee maybe five or six trucks at one time because for the most part if they're just driving down the interstate you you really don't have to do a lot driving on i-70 it's easy now when they get into a city or get into a place where they might need to have a little bit more maneuverability you might need either a real driver at that point or because i think what they would do is send them to different yards and then from that point either send them into the cities that are where they're not totally autonomous right but you would have one guy operating basically five trucks well, and I think so. I mean, the joke with commercial airlines is that they're all on autopilot anyway. Yeah, right. But I mean, with I still feel safer with the pilot in the cockpit, and I feel like the same thing is true of a commercial semi truck. Like, yeah, okay, it's on autopilot ninety percent of the time. The trucks right now are probably on cruise control for most of the time. That's how ignorant I am of the trucking industry. Yeah, but you know, for the ten percent of the time where that's not feasible, yeah, I want somebody in there. And technically, that's semi autonomous, the uh, cruise control. And yep. one study by the Progressive Research Group. Called called Center for Global Policy Solutions, estimated that a rapid transition to autonomous vehicles could result in more than 4 million lost jobs in the U.S., with taxi, bus, and truck drivers among the hardest hit. They say if anyone needs to be at the table for a discussion on self-driving technology, it's the package car driver, the long-haul trucker, and the taxi driver. That was from James P. Hoffa, general president of the 1.5 million member International Brotherhood of Teamsters, which represents those drivers So members of the Teamsters say autonomous vehicles and technology present, quote, a very serious problem whenever anyone talks about delivery by drone or delivery by automated automobile, then I think you're talking about the elimination of unionized jobs because of technology changes. And that's coming from, again, Mr. Jimmy Hoffa. No matter how you feel about autonomous vehicles, they're coming. I mean, they're coming. They are. I've heard through th- that there are so many unfilled trucking jobs that the impact won't be as large as they estimate and that the skilled drivers are going to be in demand because, like I said, they're going to be monitoring five or ten or whatever a fleet of trucks on the road at one time. So there'll be plenty of work with autonomous trucks, plenty of work. Look, at one point in this country, there was no cars when until Henry Ford decided to create the assembly line and mass produce his Model T. They were buggy whip companies everywhere because there were horse-drawn buggies everywhere, right? Yep. So as soon as Mr. Ford starts putting out some Model Ts and it's, and it's, and it's catching on, it, it, just because there's a job now doesn't mean there should be a job in the future. So those buggy whip companies all went out of business because there was no need for buggy whips anymore because there were no more buggies and no more horses because everybody was buying a car. So in 150 years ago, 
I would say that more, what, than 50% of the workers in this country were probably working in the farming industry? I'm sure it's much less now, right? Where did all those people find work? Applebee's. (laughs) Someone invented this whatever, and then another whatever, and then the computer, and then the smartphone, and the Hyperloop. And what I'm getting at is that life moves pretty fast. If you don't stop and look around once in a while, you could miss it. All right, that was very Ferris Bueller of me. In fact, it was exactly Ferris Bueller. But the general theme still works here. The workforce is always changing, so the people who are successful move with it and don't stay stagnant. That's why so many small towns died when one big, their one big industrial whatever in that town closed down. The ones, the people that were living there that shifted their mindset, changed their careers, left for something else, survived, and the others who thought that it was going to come back, they didn't. And those and those and those cities aren't surviving. They're they're dying. That's so. True. You, you have to move on to the next thing. You just have to. Mm-hmm. Start, start stocking that fleet of autonomous vehicles now, man. I'm telling you, we're going to make a fortune when the autonomous revolution starts. You think so? I do. Okay, good. All right, and Joseph, I saw a story on USA Today by Chris Elliott, and it was titled, The Worst Road Trip Annoyances and What to Do About Them. Chris says it's the little things that inflict big headaches when you're driving during the summer, like poor road conditions, cellular dead spots, and pretty much anything to do with bathrooms. Road trip irritations are so prevalent that someone even went to the trouble of conducting a survey on the topic. Wyndham Vacation Rentals polled travelers recently and, to absolutely no one's surprise, concluded that drivers are perpetually annoyed. Unless you're riding with Nicole Brady in the middle of the eclipse, in which case, apparently you're as cool as ice. Yeah, of course, for 12 hours. Their top gripe? Other drivers. Of course they are. But that's not all. The survey showed just how tormented American motorists are. For example, 43% of women get annoyed about disagreements about the car's temperature. 28% of men are irritated by stopping too much. And there's some good news for those of you who are hot under the collar. Every little annoyance, there's also a little fix. Like potholes. There's this person, Sydney Zieferts, an investigator for Consumer Safety website, says she is vexed by poor road conditions. Her least favorite stretch of highway is Interstate 81 near her home in Syracuse. She says she's not talking about a couple of bumps in the road. The potholes on 81 South are probably about a foot deep and could easily ruin your car or cause a crash. Another category of road trip pet peeve, inadequate cellular reception. Nicole figured that one out. I mean that's a pet peeve of my life, man. If I can't if I can't get to Twitter and Facebook, I'm just spinning in circles basically. Like the dead zone on I-10, a few miles from the California Arizona state line, there are some dead spots in the Colorado mountains, many up north as many people found out up in Wyoming as those eclipse watchers found out. And even bigger related problem is finding anything to listen to out in the middle of nowhere. Not a problem. Not a problem. You can always find a country music radio station, no matter how in the middle of nowhere you are. Always. There is always somebody playing Luke Bryan in Florida Georgia Line. Yeah, probably, <laughs> you're probably right. Even though the companies, the cell companies, they, they give you a coverage map that can highlight some of the problem areas and allow you to maybe anticipate those dead spots, uh, they don't, I don't think, help out too much, and nobody would ever print those out. But you could check out, there's actually a, a database of these dead zones at deadzones.com. And for your entertainment issues, you can preload music or audio books into your smartphone, or you could get a subscription to SiriusXM. That works even when there's no cell signal. It works almost, I think, everywhere in the United States. I, I because I'm mostly just driving around here, I don't, um, I don't subscribe to XM anymore. You could do like I do when I drive through the desert, enjoy beautiful silence and inspiring solitude. 
Are you talking about the Utah desert? Because there's nothing worse than the drive between Grand Junction and St. George, where you just got three hours and nothing. Ugh. Chris Elliott from USA Today continues, but perhaps the biggest of all complaints are the bathrooms. And you know that's true because every now and then you'll pass a billboard for famous barbecue or the luckiest casino that also prominently advertises clean bathrooms. It's a selling point. Bathrooms are a point of contention on road trips for Sage Singleton, a financial writer from Holiday, Utah. Quote, how often we will stop for a bathroom break, she asked. Well, growing up, my mom wanted to stop at every rest stop while my dad wanted to push through and get to our destination. That's just the way my wife and I are. She wants to stop all the time, and I want to keep on going. That's I'm with your wife on this one. I, I would stop every, like, hour and a half if I could. And I know a lot of people like to wait four hours in between stops on road trips at least, but... I just like to stretch my legs. I can't be in the car for that long. I get antsy. Like I'm definitely like an every 90 minutes kind of guy. Unless I'm on a road trip where I want to stop at all these different cool places along the way. But if I'm going from point A to point B, point me in that direction and hit the floor, baby. Let's move on. Even yet, when you can agree that a stop is necessary, you're faced with the numerous roadblocks. They include restrooms are closed. Restrooms are for customers only. Restrooms are too dirty to use. That's my wife's problem. She thinks even a clean restroom is too dirty to use. And my personal favorite, restrooms do not exist. Well, what do the employees do when they have to go? They go to the subway, obviously. (laughs) A recent Gas Buddies survey put our collective bathroom anxieties into perspective. 64% of those surveyed say their biggest road trip fear is not knowing when the next restroom stop will be. The obvious antidote is uploading an app like Gas Buddy or USA Rest Stops, which shows you the location of the nearest clean rest stop. But over time, you can also hone your bathroom-finding instincts, knowing which service stations are likeliest to have a clean one or any at all. Gas Buddy, the app, it also tracks the lowest gas prices and stations across the country. They also collect reviews of those facilities, and they released restroom rankings from its users showing the highest-rated service station brands in all 50 states. The uh, uh, other suggestions to have a good drive include stopping at a quick trip. According to Gas Buddy, the top-rated bathrooms belong to the Tulsa-based Quick Trip. I, we have Quick Trips here, don't we? Not that I'm aware of. I haven't run into one yet, anyway. Uh, they have the top spot in nine states, the most out of any brand. Chevron came in second, leading in five states on the West Coast, followed by Sheets. Never heard of Sheets. Uh, and Wawa. Our East Coast listeners will both uh, stand by Wawa and Sheets, and I will speak up for them now. Those are two fantastic convenience store chains, and when you get a chance, I highly recommend the Meatball Sub at Wawa. Really? Yes. I think I've been to a Wawa. Wawa is great, man. I think, I think wa- it was in Florida, Orlando, maybe? One of our producers has a Wawa t-shirt that he wears from time to time. That's how big of a following Wawa has. I also want to take this time to shout out Sinclair, which I will stop at solely for the Green Dinosaur logo. Ah, uh, yes, of course. I got my brother I one think of those the Come and Goes are where we, what we have. Some of Come those. and Go is very popular here. I mm. noticed that, too. Uh, drive Nebraska roads. They're the best maintained in the country, according to a recent study, and presumably the state with the least pothole-littered roads. It's followed by Kentucky, Tennessee, New Hampshire, and Wyoming. Well, there you have it. I can vouch for this. Living on the Vermont-New Hampshire border for most of my life, when you would cross over from Vermont into New Hampshire on a snowy day, the difference was literally immediate in terms of plowing, in terms of quality of the highway. New Hampshire just does a much better job than Vermont because Vermont's too busy spending all of its money on wheat and health care. <laughs> and cheese. And cheese. 
and ice cream. <laughs> and maple syrup. Choose the right network. In the latest State of Mobile Networks report, crowdsourced app OpenSignal gave T-Mobile the top spot in four out of the six network metrics for which it tested, including all three top speed categories. So if you want to stay connected longer, considering making a switch to T-Mobile, I guess. I think Open Signal is probably owned by T-Mobile. You I'm just so? throwing that out there. There is no, there is no conceivable way for me that T-Mobile is number one in any mobile category. Look, road trips. Sorry, T-Mobile. To, road trips used to be so simple. You just get in the car, be prepared to be bored or sleep, and let Dad do the driving. I mean, that's basically no electronics. The only thing we used to have is magnetic checkers or chess, you know, the little magnetic things, uh, or playing the alphabet game or the license plate game while you're, while you're driving in the back of the uh, station wagon. My parents were very high-tech people, so I had a portable Sega Genesis that I played for most of my life on long road trips, and then my parents bought a van with a VHS player in it so we could watch movies on the go, so I never had to deal with any of this magnetic checker stuff. Oh, this was back in the 70s, baby, when the, I was lucky if I brought my little Atari football game. <laughs> where you could where you could go up and down and then you run you you could do the pa- I had the green one where you could pass I still think I have that somewhere you need to bring that in man oh, I bet you that would fetch some big bucks on eBay it is super fun still to this day that little football game it is super fun no it wasn't Atari it was um starts with an M oh it starts with an M what is it I'm Mattel maybe it was a Mattel thing but oh it was so the this football game was so cool there was the white one the original white one and then there was football 2 the green one and it was and you're just basically going back and forth and back and forth and trying to run and just these little dots and then you're trying to avoid it while you're running the football I play Madden <laughs> This is so far from Madden <laughs> This is like caveman compared to now basically that's what that's what the video game difference is caveman what I was playing, and Madden, which is now. I'm, I'm waiting for Pong to make a comeback. I feel like that day is coming, too. Oh, I think it could. Yeah. Everybody loves the Pong. Human Pong would be even more fun. Well, that's, <laughs> that's about all we got for today, right? That's a pretty good 40th episode. Couldn't ask for a better 40, guy to spend 40 episodes with, Jason. That's amazing, isn't it? He's put up with me for 40 episodes. 40 more are coming your way. Here's the 40 more. There you go. Well, thanks again for being here. Thanks again for uh, reaching out to us and for being a listener each and every week. And until next time, I'm Jason Liver, the traffic guy. I am pedestrian advocate Joseph Peters. Oh, and head and wi- heated windshield advocate. Yes, and aquatic transportation advocate. <laughs> okay, be safe, and as always, happy motoring. Happy motoring.